0: Good morning everybody on this nice cloudy rainy yesterday day and snow and everything else we had. Good to see y'all this morning. Let's pray. Father thank you Lord for who you are Lord your love for us. It never fails Lord you're the same yesterday today and forever and Lord we love you Lord we are privileged Lord to worship you Lord just thinking about all those around the world who can't because of persecution and because of the government and because of different things they are under thank you Lord that we have the freedom to worship you Lord and so father I pray Lord that you speak to us Lord that you gather us all in Lord that we could hear Lord from you Lord and teach us the things we don't know the things we do Lord I pray you make them an anchor to our souls Lord um, Lord, um, as David prayed, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. My strength and my redeemer, I do pray. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. We have a Bible. Turn with us to Mark chapter 6. Verse 53, we'll finish this chapter finally today. Lord willing, it says, When they had crossed over... They came to the land of Genesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through that whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds, those who were sick to wherever they heard he was, wherever he entered into villages, cities or the country they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched him were made well you know we went through this Matthew Gospel records this Matthew chapter 14 I didn't do much on it then I got last week I wanted to finish this whole chapter but I, I couldn't you know so this week we want to close out the rest of this chapter. And it seems like at this point that the disciples, they didn't get much rest. It seems like they didn't get much rest because this day was a day that they would never forget. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? And, like, and, and it's interesting, when he fed the 5,000, know, Mark says when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. And already the hour is late. So it was already late when he fed the 5,000. You remember that. It was just late. And then by the time you get in John's gospel, he says that now when evening had come, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. So they were like, you know, this was Jesus' feast of 5,000. John, in his gospel, he attaches a message, the bread of heaven, to it. But it's interesting that they were like in the middle of the night. Then it says that they were straining at rowing. The wind was against them. It was about the fourth watch. So the fourth watch is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So it's dark at night. You know, they row in and, and, you know, they're in the middle of the sea. And Jesus sent them over there. He commanded that they would go to the other side. And then he comes in on walking in the water. They saw, they thought they saw a ghost. Peter gets out of the boat, said, Lord, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come to you. Peter comes and he actually walks in the water for a little for a little while. Jesus says, no, Peter, why did you doubt? And Peter starts sinking. Jesus grabs him, pulls him up. And because Peter says, save me, and the Lord grabs him, pulls him up, and the two of them entered the boat. Now that's an interesting phrase because they went into the boat. When Peter and Jesus entered this boat, John tells us they willingly received him into the boat with Peter, was with him. Immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. So now they started like an overnight, and then it's like it's going to mid-morning. And when Jesus gets on the boat, wherever they were trying to get to, they end up at that location. So this was all started at when they fed the 5,000. So this is a long day. You know, these guys probably worn out. I don't know if you've ever been worn out serving the Lord, like you just just want to come home and go to sleep. Somebody said, "How's everything? How was the outreach? I don't know. You know. And so, here, when we get to the end of this chapter in Mark, it seems like basically they were up all night long to some degree. And then it says, when they, the disciples and Jesus, had crossed over, verse 53, they came to the land of Genesaret. You know, it, it, Genesaret, which means garden of riches or garden of the prince, in the Hebrew is called. Um, Genesar, it, it, it's almost like it wasn't really a city, it was more like a district. Because Mark says they came to the land of Genesaret, not the city of Genesaret. So it's about two miles, some say one mile inland from the Galilee Sea, some say two miles, some say it's a three mile stretch, or some say four mile stretch. But it's between Capernaum and Tiberias. And it was a land that was rich in soil. You know, Josephus says that the land of Genesaret was watered with a very excellent spring, which the inhabitants of the place called, you know, you know called Capernaum, they loved this particular area. And, and it had trees, it was noted for its, its almost loomy soil. If you know anything about soil, loamy soil, because loamy soil is a little bit different than just any old soil. Because loamy soil is sort of like, it's made up like three different groups. You know, you got salt, you got silt, silt was made up like rocks and minerals and so forth. And you have clay soils and they all kind of mix together. You know when it's loamy soil because you can grab it and make a ball and then you can just push through it and then the ball just fall apart. So it was like Lumi soil. there it was a fertile place and those living around that district called Genesaret. they didn't call Galilee the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias they called it the Lake of Gennesaret. You know they didn't call it the Galilee Sea they would call it the Lake of Genesaret. As, as Luke writes in, in Luke chapter five, verse one, he calls it the Lake of Genesaret. Anybody lived in that district, they didn't call it the Galilee Sea. Same location, everybody called it what they, some called it the Sea of Tiberias, some called it the Sea of Kenarith in the Old Testament, but they called it the Lake of Genesaret because that's what you called it based off the region you were. So those living in that district, they, you know, it was almost like living on the shore. You know, get a sure house, you know, like down in Margate and some of those places. Like just a nice area, really nice place. And, you know, everybody always want to be in the mission field when they say, well, what missionary, con- what country you want to go to do missions? You know, you think real hard, you say, um, um, well, which state? Think of a state or something, you know, and they look around. Hawaii? <laughs> you know? so they in this really plush area. It's fertile. It's nice, and it says, "and anchored there in the land of Genesaret." They came to the land of Genesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, this is Jesus and his disciples. They come under. This is the same boat that they were rolling in. You know, and the wind was beating at this boat. So this is the same boat. They get out of the boat immediately. King James says, I teach from the New King James. King James would say straightway. But immediately, the people recognized him. Immediately, the minute Jesus gets off the boat, they recognize him. It's the Greek word recognized, epi, gnosko, you know, epi, up, gnosko, knowledge. They knew who he was. The minute they saw him, they said, oh, this is the one. And I don't know what they recognized about him. Because you can recognize who Jesus is as the bread king, as the one that could do for you, the one that's the, you know, Jehovah, Jireh, the healer. You know, you can recognize Jesus in different ways based on what you need. So they recognize him. And it's interesting because when the disciples saw him walking on water, they didn't recognize him. This is they saw it, and they called him an it, supposing that he was a ghost. Here it says that they recognized him, and the problem with most of the world we live in, they don't recognize Jesus. And the only Jesus that the world will ever see is the Jesus that's lived out in our lives. They'll recognize Jesus because of our testimony, but here they recognize him. They saw him, they knew. And you know, it's interesting because remember when Judas... Iscariot betrayed Christ. It says the one that he kissed, that's the one who's Christ. Jesus looked like everybody else. A lot of, you know, scholars said that him and James the Less they looked identical in so many ways. They looked just alike. And so they recognized him. They heard about him. They must have known something about him. You know, and this is, there's so many people in this world today, they don't recognize Jesus for who he is. Everybody got their own definition of who Jesus is. You know, that's why when you read the Gospel of John, he talks about, I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I, you know, John 8 says, I am. You know? And he goes on through the, the I am's of seven I am's. Some say eight, but seven I am's. So Jesus was recognized here. And in, in our own lives, sometimes we don't recognize Jesus. Sometimes we don't recognize that Jesus is doing something in our lives. And he's working in our lives. He's always working in our lives. We, just all, we don't always recognize it. And some things later on, we saw the Lord was working on me. And he looked back years later and said, oh, that's what he was trying to get from me. I'm such a dense thinker. Sometimes it takes me years to figure it out. And he says that they recognized him, ran through that whole surrounding region. The whole community was stirred up. They were stirred up and moved by the visit of Jesus Christ, the suffering servant. They come running to him. So the people of the surrounding region are not exactly identified by name. They're not identified by ethnicity or a native tongue. But they all had one thing in common. They were needy and they knew that Jesus could help them. Which is so important. Because you remember his, his fame started to spread. Now I don't think his fame spread because of his teaching. And I don't think everybody loved his teaching. And if you've been teaching the Bible for a long time of any years, I've been teaching them over 25 years. I don't think everybody like a person's teaching. They might like the person more than they like their teaching. Or they might like what the person can do more than their teaching. And so they, I don't know if they come to Jesus because they say, man, he's a great teacher. I really want to send him to his Bible study. I doubt that very much. They're not coming to a Bible study because, you know, like, I'm coming to Jesus. No, they're not coming because they want to see Jesus teach them a good sermon. I don't think they're coming for that. And it was the common people. They were needy. They all had one thing in common. His fame, remember, his fame is spreaded, you know, all through the region. In Mark 3, 8, Matthew says that his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and, and he healed them all. You know? And he was like, could you imagine, this is the multitudes were stronging him. And you could, earlier, remember the woman with the issues of blood? You know, the multitudes were thronging him and the crowds and, and people saying, Jesus, over here, help him. Oh, my brother can't see, help me. You know? And it, could, could you imagine it? Help us, Jesus. Oh, my Uncle Joe can't walk or my aunt can't talk. And he's just touching people and people. And they didn't talk for years. And then they say, hey, Jesus. And they all jumping back. Whoa. You know? And just imagine just the almost the dynamics of all this going on. And this is that they ran through all the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick whoever they heard he was, those who were sick, you know. NIV says they had mats. The Greek word is krabatis, you know, is krabatis. It's like a mattress or a pallet or something. The Romans used to carry something else like almost like a, the krabatis is almost like a, uh, you know, sleeping bag. They would roll it out and sleep. And they used to make, like this little bed they would carry. It's the same bed. That the man in the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, verses 8 through 11, that Jesus, take up your bed and walk. The same kind of bed. They're carrying people on beds. Y'all don't know a lot about that because we don't, nobody carrying nobody around on beds. You know, because they carrying them. You got a couple of guys, maybe two, one in the front. while well, two, one, everybody got a four guys. Everybody got a corner. And they just bringing people to Jesus. they carrying them. We should be carrying people to Jesus. We should be bringing people to Jesus, like carrying them to Jesus. Like, come, we already know. Look, you're sick. We already know what the problem is. What's the problem? Send. <laughs> come, we're bringing you to Jesus. And they bringing people to Jesus. Look, Jesus' Galilean ministry was so much different than his Judean ministry. Because I think his Galilean ministry, to some degree, was more fruitful because in Judea it was opposition, it was antagonism, it was always something against them, the religious leaders was there. Remember when Jesus, when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners and they saw Jesus and they said to the disciples, they said, how is it that he eats with, you know, and eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus, when he heard about it, Jesus told them, he said, let me tell you guys something, those who are well have no need for physicians. But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. All of us came to Christ because we knew we were sick. Spiritually, anyway. We knew something was contorted or something was a little twisted in us that we knew needed to be straightened out. We didn't know why it needed to be straightened out. We didn't know how it could get straightened out. But we realized that something was not clicking. And you realize that after you come to Christ, you say, I was really crazy. I know I can say that about myself. I was nuts. And then you get saved and you say, man, this, he loves me. He's not ashamed to call me brethren. He don't change on me like my friends. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, he's not out to get me. He loves me, you know, he cares about me. He cares about my whole life. He wants to live his life through my life. And that's an interesting place to be. And and here the you know, the, they bring in people on mats or beds and they carrying them. And you can just imagine like and you can see somebody carrying, like, imagine if all of us was carrying somebody, and we walking by people and say, where are you taking him? To Jesus? Where? Let's tell me about this Jesus man. And then other people start saying, Well, we go going. I got a nephew that needs to be sick. I got a nephew that's sick. or need to be healed. And other people probably, when they saw people going in one direction, you know, I don't know if you grew, y'all didn't grow up in the hood, some of y'all. But if it was like a fight, if, if it was a fight and you seen people running, you were sitting on your steps, where are they running? You just jumped up and started running with them. And you don't even know why you're running until you got there. I so, said, Oh, that's where they're going to. This is the way these crowds were. When they saw people coming to Jesus, everybody from the surrounding areas come running and running. They said, what are they carrying these sick people? Jesus is in town. Did you hear what happened? Jesus is in town. He's right near the beach. And it says that whenever he entered, wherever he entered, not when, but where every he entered. Mark doesn't mention whether or not Jesus taught Or even said anything in the text. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say Jesus went there, had a sermon. It doesn't say anything about Jesus saying anything. It just says whenever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, you know, inner city, suburban, urban, Jesus loves everybody. Well, I live out in the country. I don't, you know, God told me one time, I live out in the way out in the moon dogs. man. I don't even know how to share Christ out here with anybody. I said, you'll run across somebody that's a sinner. Into villages, cities, or the country, and they laid the sick in the marketplace, the agora. This is the open assembly. It means assembly, almost a place of assembly where people would just open space. And begged, they beseeched or implored him that he might just touch, that they might just touch the him notice, of his garment. Isn't that interesting? Look at that and pay close attention to this verse. Look, that they might just touch the hem of his garment. Did the woman in Mark chapter 5? Some scholars said that she was from Caesarea. I don't know. Some say that her name was Veronica. I don't know that neither. I just read a lot of different stuff, and that's what they said her name was. Just for case sake, if her name was Veronica. Did Veronica go everywhere telling people, look, I'm going to tell you something. I had an issue of blood for 12 years. I went to Dr. Him and Dr. Her. Instead of growing better, I grew worse. I spent all that I had and I came up with a plan in Mark chapter 5, verse 27 through 29. I came up with a plan. If I only could touch the hem of his garment, I would be made well. The writer, Mark, who writes said, how would he know that unless the woman told him? Somewhere he found out that this woman said, this is how I thought about my infirmity. Jesus, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. How did they know that? How did they know that they could just touch the hem of his garment? How did they know that it was bringing people from everywhere and they said, okay, this is all you need to do, Jesus. Just let us touch the hem of your garment. Remember when Paul was in this ministry, they touched his, his aprons or sweatbands and they were getting healed. That they might touch the hem of his garment. Isn't that something? The hem or the edge of his garment refers to those tassels. It was four tassels, blue cords on four corners that the law obliged Jewish males to wear and that was to remind them of the commandments of the Lord. They would wear this, these tassels, they, these blue, Jesus wore it, it was Jewish. You know, in the book of Numbers, it's interesting what it says. You don't have to turn to this, I'll read it for you. It says, again the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. And you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that you may not follow the harlotry to which your with your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, and that you may remember. And do all my commandments and be holy for your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord God. You know, Deuteronomy 22, 12, it says that you shall make tassels on the four corners of the clothing with which you cover yourself. It was no power and no tassels. The power was in the one who wore the tassels. Because you can have all the blue you want to have on at the bottom of your robes or your outer garments and live sinful. But here they met the perfect one, the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel, Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. The one who was and who is and who is to come. They met him and he comes to this land, this region, this district. He walks on the scene. And they realized that no, this is not no, because the Pharisees wore these tassels. Religious people wore these tassels. They recognized him. They recognize him. When you recognize him, that's when your life changes. When you recognize who Jesus is, that's when your life really changes. And even after you become a Christian, when you recognize who Jesus is, that's when your life becomes fruitful. That's when your life becomes more about him and less about ourselves. And as they recognize him, they said, if we can just touch the hem of his garments, the chrassidine, you know, we can just grab hold of that. And how many people, not, they not grabbing hold of Jesus no more. And they say, oh, I know I love the Lord. I'm saved. I love the Lord. I, I, I love the Lord, and, uh, but I don't go to church no more. You know, we hear that all the time out in the streets. I don't, I don't read the Bible. I, I, the Bible is written by man. I don't really believe it. You know, I don't believe all of it no more. And, you know, so is the dictionary written by man. You believe that, don't you? Or the service and newspaper you even believe lies you know and it is you know and and here these people say look they didn't have any alternative if you're crippled blind maimed lame and you knew that Jesus was your only means of healing you didn't have an alternative and especially if he was a leper cuz nobody can cleanse leprosy except the lord And you can imagine people coming from everywhere with all kind of problems. They come to the Lord. Look, if you got problems today, let me tell you something. He can fix those problems. Amen? Amen. He can fix your problems. Like like people say, I'm going to figure it out. I don't have to figure it out. Well, I'm going to try to understand what's going on. I don't have to understand. The Bible says, lean not towards your own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And we try to figure it all out. These people weren't trying to figure out nothing. They said, get me to Jesus. <laughs> they said, "What's your theology. Get me to Jesus. That's it. And I can just touch the hem of his garment and notice what it says in the other part of this Verse. And as many as touched him, so the power didn't lie in the, the hem of his garment, not the hem, the H-E-M, where the power was, but the H-I-M is where the power was. That's why English is such a hard language, because words say sound the same and don't even mean the same. They touched him, not his hem, not the power it wasn't in his hem. The power was in who he was. As many as touched him, H-I-M, not H-E-M, were made well, were made well. They, they begged him that they might touch his, the hem of his garment, and it says, and they were made well. And this was, and it really was, this was an act of faith. This is an act of faith to say, Lord, I know you can do it. I only want you to do it. There's no one else I would rather do it. Only you, Lord. We recognize who you are. Matthew, in this gospel, he said, look, and they begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made, he says something really interested, were made perfectly well. And it's sozo, dia sozo in the Greek, because sozo is always, but we get soza, soteriology, salvation to save. And they put dia in front of that word to bring safely through a danger or a dangerous situation to save thoroughly, thoroughly saved. I don't think Jesus wants us to have a life where we're not whole. Some people think Jesus can make them like a halfie. He wants to make us whole. Some of y'all don't know about halfies. He used to take these rubber pimple balls. They had little dots on them. You split them down the middle with a razor. And, you know, and they used to stink inside, remember? And you take the little halfie and you get a little a broomstick and you would hit it against a wall you know if it hit the wall it was a single if it went a second story it was a double third story it was a triple you know the fourth story was a home run and then the roof if you roofed it was a grand slam that was called halfies he don't want to make us halfies he wants to make us whole he wants to make us completely thoroughly whole Christians should not live half-heartedly towards the Lord because he wants to make us whole. Our whole lives are based on how he wants to live through us. Look, Paul said that, look, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I who live, but Christ lives through me in the life in which I now live in this human flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus wants to live his life through our lives. Through the purse of the Holy Spirit. And that's when we become whole. That's when we become whole. You know, we're made well by a touch, but we have to continue walking with the one who made us well. Remember the woman at the well? She met Jesus at the well. She walked away well. Remember? And he says, as many as touched him, him, that's who the touch was. Him. They thought they touched him. Really, he was touching them. Because the touch of his robe didn't make them whole. He made them whole. He made them well. He, you know, they were sick people. Could you imagine you never saw anything and you get your sight back? Could you imagine that? Your whole life he was blind. And you can see. Could you imagine never walking? And Jesus touched your life, and now you can walk. That was all of us. We had a crooked walk, we were blind, and He touched our eyesight spiritually, and He changed our walk. And we should continually follow Him, we should continually follow the Lord. He has a plan for your life. He's a perfect plan for your life. How many people did they need to, a, a, a touch from Jesus? Billions worldwide need Jesus. And here these people say, oh, no, no, there's no other options. There's no other alternative. We don't care where he's at, wherever he's at. We want to be there because we know that's what healing is. He heals the brokenhearted. The Bible says in Psalm 147, He heals the brokenhearted and He bindeth up our wounds. There's a lot of hurting people out here. We're wounded people. Christ convulsed when He got to Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, one who stoneth the prophets. How often I wanted to gather you as a hen gatherer of chicks. But you were not willing. This is a season in the church well, we should all gather, and we should all gather, be around believers as much as you can, because the world is trying to discourage so many people in the church to discourage. And the enemy loves to get us by ourselves. He loves to get. He love you. You think more weird stuff by yourself when you're in a group. You know, you sit home, you look in the mirror, I'm like, oh man, look at this man, look at my stomach now, look at oh god, look at man, yeah, and it comes. Me, 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 me. And, and, and that's what the enemy wants all of us to be. But if we say, Jesus, 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 we want to be made well. We want to continually keep reaching out to grab hold of the things of Christ. Christ, it says in Ephesians four fifteen. he is our peace. He is our peace. He is our joy. It is in Christ. And so many people, they just lost it. And look, how does Jesus touch your life? Today, Are you thankful for just being a Christian? Are you thankful that the Lord saved you? If you stay in that area of thankfulness, you can't believe he healed you. You'd be like, man, thank you, Lord. And, and I know I'm a professional complainer at times, you know. says, so do all things without murmuring and complaining. I blow that every week, I'm sure. And some of y'all probably do too. No, I don't think none of y'all complain, but I'm just saying me, just in case. But I know he's working on the inside. Even though that outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. And this is, we're made well. <laughs> they touched this hem of his, could you imagine, touching the hem of his garment well. we doctor doctored you go to. Well, his name was um, Dr. Jehovah Rapha. Where's his office? Where did he live? Well, he, he came down from heaven to sinful people like us. And the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He makes us well. He makes as well. If you're struggling today, look. You need a dose of Jesus again. Remember when you first got saved? And how you just believed everything. He's real. And you almost thought he was always talking just to you. You I hear him talking to me. You know, you just kind of like, some of it was superstitious, but not all of it. Superstitious, but not all of it. And it was just kind of like he was just an innocent kid. He was like, Lord, I believe you, the Lord. You had this joy, unspeakable joy. Nobody could take it from you. You didn't know an epistle from a pistol. You didn't know the book of Job from the book of Job. You just knew you were saved. And you was looking for Jesus in every little teeny thing that existed in your life. Don't lose that as a Christian. Don't lose that. Don't lose the place where he made you. Well, nobody can take that from you. Nobody can take that from you. Nobody. And I know the Lord loves me. Look, I don't know if you know he loves you. Jesus loves you. The Bible says Christ died on the cross for sinners. Paul said he was the chief of sinners. But he says he died. Jesus died on the cross. I was buried on the third day he rose from the dead. That's good news. And it says, and this Jesus, as the apostles watch him ascend into heaven, it says, this, this Jesus is coming back in like manner. And we'll come back with him and rule and reign for a thousand years. And all out through eternity, it says, in the ages to come. Ephesians 2:7, it says, in the ages to come, we'll learn about him in the ages to come. We'll never be able to comprehend everything about who he is. It'll take. Eternity, And here he comes in human flesh, walk among sinful men, and they recognize him, and they recognize him. Look, don't lose your ability to recognize Jesus Christ. Don't say, oh, I'm really lonely, you don't understand. No, that's not what the Bible says. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You got to recognize that. I'm really broken up, but things are just ready to follow. He won't, he won't break a bruise reed, nor blow out a quenching flax. He won't do those things. But I know one thing he can do. He can make us whole. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up as we pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your kindness towards us, Lord. There's not one thing, Lord, in this whole entire world, you want more than us being in fellowship and communion with you, Lord. You love us. You love us being with you. You love us around you. So encourage our hearts this morning, Lord, that you have a plan for us. You're not done with us, Lord. Lord, when you said that it was finished, you didn't say that you were finished with us because you care for us, Lord. Pray for that broken person here today too, Lord. The one that's ready to throw in the towel and say, what's the use, Lord, Father? Pray, Lord, you encourage their heart to run with diligence, to trust you with their whole life, Lord, to realize, Lord, that you are with us. That's your name, Emmanuel, God, with us. And so, Father, I pray for that person, Lord, that as their life, Lord, looks like it's hopeless, but not in you, Christ. We have hope, a living hope, and we also have a hope reserved for us in heaven. So, Father, I pray for that person, Lord, Jesus. Let them leave this door knowing that you're with them. You raised up a whole family the body of Christ, that we can bear one another's burdens, And so fulfill the law of Christ. And so Lord, we love you, we honor you, we pray for you. We pray in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.